We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 586 of the Pack-A-Day podcast. I'm your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at AndyHermanNFL. I am a writer and editor for PackerReport.com. We have lots to get into. Of course, we completed the NFL Combine this weekend. There was an announcement of a joint practice that will be taking place between the Packers and the Cleveland Browns. We have a lot of free agency news and notes, so there's tons to get to. I want to get to all of it today. I want to start with the NFL Combine. I think that's really where a lot of the discussion from an NFL standpoint, from a Packers standpoint, uh, really stemmed this weekend. I thought the NFL Network did a tremendous job of covering this event, as always. Uh, Daniel Jeremiah, Rich Eisen, of course, friend of the podcast, Ben Fennell. I thought that entire crew just does a, a fantastic job. These are, uh, you know, it's, it's a really interesting, uh, you know, television show, if you will. You have basically a ton of players going through job interviews. Uh, you know, some people, of course, call it the underwear Olympics, whatever you want to call it. Uh, there's a lot to cover. There's a lot going on. And I think uh, they do a really good job of trying to tell stories, you know, trying to project where a lot of these players are going to go in the draft, which is never an easy task, and really kind of give as much information as possible without it being paralysis by analysis. So I thought they did a tremendous job. 
I'm not going to get too much into the minutiae, and there's a couple reasons for that. First, you know, of course, everything's still very fresh from this weekend. I had the opportunity to watch a decent amount of the com- uh, combine, but not, you know, all of it uh, by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, first of all, I want to give a ton of kudos as well to Packaday Podcast's very own uh, Jacob Morley and Ross Uglum, who were actually at the combine covering it. If you have not been following Packer Report on Twitter, definitely go check it out or go to PackerReport.com. Those two did yeoman's work down at the combine. They have so much video uh, asking questions uh, of prospects. It was just an absolutely tremendous job. Was so proud of both of those guys, you know, presenting uh, obviously Packer reports, but, uh, you know, representing the Packaday podcast as well. So uh, kudos to you guys for the work that you did. Definitely go and, uh, you know, follow both of them on Twitter and go out to their Twitter accounts and see everything that they had to say as well. Uh, So kudos to those guys. But I had had the opportunity to watch uh, a decent amount of it on my own. But I, here's where I'm at with the NFL draft. You know, from a Packers standpoint, of course, Packers make it to the NFC Championship game. Takes me about a few weeks after that uh, to really kind of get all the articles and stuff done that I wanted to complete postseason. Kind of take a look back at the at the regular season, the postseason, everything that the Packers did throughout the year. I, I to be transparent, I usually take about a couple weeks off to try to recharge the batteries a little bit, and then I go all in NFL draft from about the beginning of February until about the end of April. Uh, that being said, uh, you know, beginning of February till about end of February, and it was probably even a little bit later this year because of how the Packers did in the playoffs. You know, there's 400, 500 prospects in this year's draft, uh, a ton of guys at the combine. I'm I'm here to tell you when I kind of know what I'm talking about, and I'm here to tell you as well when I, I may be a, a little bit behind the eight ball. And if I were to come on here and spout a ton of knowledge about NFL draft stuff, the truth is I'd be spouting knowledge uh, from a, a lot of other people that I maybe read or got information from. And what my goal is from a draft standpoint is really to be able to be super informed and super knowledgeable by the time the draft rolls around. And I, you know, uh, to be honest, I just don't feel like I'm there yet. So. Uh, I'm not going to go super in depth because I like to be super prepared and I like to go super in depth. I think you guys probably know that by now. And if I just don't have uh, the the people the, the players scouted like the way that I want them to be, I'm not going to come in here and and share a bunch of information when I don't feel super confident talking about it. So I did want to go over some players that I thought crushed the combine and could be of real interest to the Packers. I want to go over uh, about four of them uh, for you, and I'm sure a lot of these names you've heard already uh, that performed really well, but. Denzel Mims, the wide receiver out of Baylor, Justin Jefferson, the wide receiver out of LSU, Ezra Cleveland, the offensive tackle out of Boise State, and James Morgan, the quarterback out of Florida International, who of course is from Ashwaubenon, Wisconsin, and Eric Edholm uh, from Yahoo Sports uh, had made mention that the Packers have already shown interest in Morgan. I think those are four names that if you are a Packers fan, you may just at least want to kind of file away as potential draft picks at some point uh, in, in the 2020 draft. I think Mims and Jefferson at the wide receiver position, it just seems to fit so much of what, uh, you know, the Ted Thompson, Ron Wolf, Brian Gutekunst tree has liked to target from a wide receiver standpoint. Ezra Cleveland, just absolute ridiculous athleticism. I think he could very much be in play. Two names that you want to keep in mind is, you know, I think Cleveland's probably a second round guy, but uh, two names you want to kind of keep in mind. Darren College, former Boise State, super athletic. I know he kicked a guard, but started as a tackle. Jason Spriggs, super athletic, 
Green Bay drafted him in the second round. Now, that may not instill a ton of confidence in you. College was an okay, but mostly unspectacular guard for Green Bay. And of course, Spriggs was a massive bust that they traded up for and did not get the return on investment on. But uh, those are the type of super athletic uh, tackles that, uh, you know, aren't, you know, tier one type players, probably not going to go in the top 25, you know, picks in the draft, but uh, could be had maybe from picks 30 to 60, somewhere in that range. And, and I think Green Bay's shown that they're interested in those type of players. So Ezra Cleveland, I think, is another player to kind of keep in mind. And then James Morgan, developmental quarterback, had a really nice showing at the combine as well. If Green Bay decides not to go, you know, kind of all in's the wrong term, but if they, you know, decide to pass on some of the tier one quarterbacks, maybe don't pick in the first, second, third round and are looking more on day three of the draft, I think James Morgan could be a player that they take a look at to maybe compete uh, with Manny Wilkins for that number three spot, or if things go really, really well for Morgan, you know, maybe he has the opportunity to compete for that number two spot. Crazier things have certainly happened, uh, like me talking about, you know, Tim Boyle being in a a quarterback competition like that would ever happen. But uh, yeah, you know, I think those are four players that you really want to kind of keep in mind. There's a lot of players that performed really, really well from this combine, and I'll get to them in much greater detail as time goes on. And as we get kind of closer to the draft, we're going to have draft experts that are coming on to help uh, as we get closer to the draft as well. We'll do that again as we did last year. Um, so I'm really excited about that. I'll have more announcements on that in the near future. But, you know, April is going to be dedicated to the draft. We'll probably even start it in late March once kind of free agency is over. So a ton, uh, a ton to look forward to. Um, again, I think I think the Combine is always uh, a tremendous opportunity to start kicking off some of the, the talk about these prospects and who Green Bay may be targeting. But for me personally, just a little bit too early yet. And again, I'd be doing uh, myself and you as well a disservice if I try to get into the minutiae. I've got about, you know, 20 2530 uh, scouting reports really heavily completed. But uh, like I said, there's still so much to get into and I want to dig into it more before I kind of get into too much more detail there. So I promise you it's coming and uh, we've got a lot of coverage. I'm sure a lot of the teams that are going to be talking this week will be covering in more detail as well. So something to look forward to as we progress throughout the week. I thought the other big piece of news was the Packers-Browns joint practice that'll be taking place. Uh, PackersNews.com did a great job of breaking that news. So uh, that that's going to be fun. And I had the opportunity to attend the two Texans-Packers practices from a season ago. And I know there was some... Uh, I don't know if controversy is the right word, but there was some talk of, you know, I know Aaron Rodgers wasn't a huge fan and uh, there was uh, an injury in special teams periods uh, that they kind of went full contact special teams, which Matt LaFleur, I thought, you know, he owned it afterwards. And he's like, yeah, Aaron is right. We probably shouldn't have been doing full team special teams periods. That was a mistake and uh, we won't be doing that going forward. So I think they learned some things from last year that they probably won't be doing. I know there were multiple scrums during that uh, time period as well. But I think it's really great to get some some other competition in that's not the same helmet, that's not the same team that you're practicing against. And I thought it was really valuable for, for Green Bay to be able to do that uh, with Houston last year. And I think that provided them uh, some of what they needed, especially with a new regime, especially with a new head coach. I think they had a lot of takeaways. And to be totally honest, you know, Houston was the better team throughout those practices. It was very, very clear. And I think Green Bay needed uh, to kind of see that, to recognize that they had some things still to work on. I know David Bakhtiari and Rogers made kind of mention at the end of uh, at the end of practices uh, and end of training camp that things towards the end 
were really starting to click and that it took some time to get more ingrained in the system. And it wasn't until about the end of training camp that they started to feel that way. And of course, it even took longer than that. That opening game against Chicago was certainly not uh, a uh, virtuoso offensive performance by any stretch of the imagination. So, uh, But I do think that those, those scrimmages and that practice with the Texans was valuable. And I think the same thing is going to be said uh, with the Cleveland Browns now. Uh, you know, maybe... Maybe make sure Miles Garrett's not swinging his helmet at anyone, and and I'm you know maybe that Odell Beckham's not punching any walls and and some things like that. So there'll be some things to probably look out for there. But I think overall this is a really great development, and I think Cleveland's going to be a really fun team to come in. I mean some really great personalities. I mentioned you know Miles Garrett, of course Baker Mayfield, Odell Beckham Jr., Jarvis Landry. Uh, you know you've got a lot of really talented players on that Cleveland Browns roster, and of course they're looking to to turn it around and uh, you know really, you know, make amends for what was a massively disappointing 2019 season for them. So uh, I think it's a great, great thing. And, and my my call to action here is, you know, if you're thinking of coming to training camp, you know, get there for those joint scrimmages. It was a lot of fun to be at. It was a ton of energy. Uh, it was packed, you know, get there early, but uh, it was worth being at. It was a lot of fun. So I'm really excited that they're going to re-up that. And I think Green Bay is going to get a lot out of that uh, with Packers and Browns joint practices. So I think that was takeaway number two from this weekend. Um, the other big thing is a lot of free agency news and notes that were kind of, uh, you know, out there this weekend. And I'm sure some of it is, is smokescreen. I'm sure some of it's certainly legitimate, but uh, we'll get into some of the specific names in a moment. But before I do so, I, I wrote an article for Packer Reports on Thursday that really identified players that I thought Brian Gutekunst would be interested in based off of what he's done over the course of the last couple seasons. And let me kind of go through that in a little bit more detail. I think that there's three things uh, that I've noticed with Brian Gutekunst over the course of the last couple seasons. Now, he's still very early in his tenure, and I think it's uh, maybe a little bit overzealous to say, like, you know, we can judge everything that he's going to do going forward based off of these last two seasons alone. I think that's probably a little bit silly, but I do think there's a lot that you can glean based off of what he's done. And again, I think there's three major takeaways. And I think the first takeaway is that he has been amazingly aggressive at targeting areas of need in each offseason. So you go back to 2018, and it was very clear that he targeted tight end and cornerback as the positions that he needed to improve upon aggressively. At the tight end position, he gave the highest paid tight end contract in football at the time to Jimmy Graham to bring him in to try to fix that position and then also kind of double down on it, certainly not to the extent of what they gave Graham, but by bringing in another veteran in Mercedes Lewis to try to get that blocking tight end as well. So he was very aggressive, highest paid player and uh, highest paid tight end in football in Jimmy Graham, another veteran Mercedes Lewis to try to fill the gaps at that tight end position again in 2018. 18. Cornerback was the second one. Not only did he go out in free agency and sign and bring back both Devon House and Tremont Williams, but he also spent his first round pick on Jair Alexander and his second round pick on Josh Jackson. So four you know, kind of premium assets that he used two free agency contracts, a first round pick and a second round pick to aggressively attack the cornerback position in 2018. Again, when he notices a weakness, he is not afraid to throw assets at it to try and fix it. 2019 comes around, same exact thing. Three very distinct positions that he wanted to target very aggressively, guard, edge rusher, safety, 
Safety, he goes Darnell Savage, moves up in the first round to get his top graded safety in the draft in Savage, spends tier two free agent money for the safety position, you know, probably just a tier below, you know, Honey Badger and Earl Thomas, but, you know, still top tier safety money for for Adrian Amos. So he gets Amos and Savage at the safety position, edge rusher, Preston Smith, Zadarius Smith, a top 12 pick in Rashawn Gary, aggressively attacks that position and fixes that position for all intents and purposes. And then guard spends, you know, what I think most people were thinking was an overspend for Billy Turner at the time, seven mil per year, um, which is a starting, you know, right guard contract uh, for Billy Turner. And then a second round pick, a top 50 pick in Elton Jenkins. So in two seasons, he is aggressively attacked corner tight end, edge rusher, guard, and safety because he felt that those were weaknesses on the team. So I think the first thing that you want to look for in free agency is positions that are desperately a you know a, a position of need. And I'll kind of get to those more in just a moment, but I think that's the kind of the first thing to keep in mind for what he may be targeted. And that's probably nothing out of the ordinary uh, for teams. Of course, they're going to target in free agency their weakest positions. It's not like you know teams have a great quarterback and they're like, oh, well, let's go spend a ton of money on another quarterback. It's, doesn't work that way, but uh, I think Brian Gutekunst has been even a little bit more ultra aggressive in trying to fill those holes. So again, that's number one to kind of keep an eye on. Number two is I think there were two very different philosophies in 2018 and in 2019, one of which was way more successful. And I think you're going to see him try to replicate what he did in that successful free agency period, which was 2019, uh, this year in 2020. So in 2018, he really went with trying to get quick fixes uh, with some players that were maybe towards the end of their deal. I think trying to make one more run with Mike McCarthy. He kept a lot of players on and he didn't have a ton of money to spend. So he tried to maybe bring in some older players, but you look at that free agent class to a T and these were players that were past their prime, almost all of them over the age of 30, if not all of them over the age of 30, some well into their late thirties. That was again, Tremont Williams, uh, Devon House, you had Jimmy Grant. Mercedes Lewis and Muhammad Wilkerson were the five free agent signings in 2018. And as successful as 2019 was, 2018 was left a lot to be desired. And I, you know, I'm, I've not made it, uh, I've not been shy about stating that I think Jimmy Graham was uh, unfortunately a, a massive mistake. Maybe massive is the wrong word, but certainly a big mistake. Uh, Mercedes Lewis in 2018 was a mistake. I mean, he barely played. Uh, he, you know, he barely saw the field. And when he did, he was super inconsistent because McCarthy didn't give him any sort of consistent playing time. So he would get like a snap, like every 15 plays go in cold, have to go and block a, you know, a defensive end. Yeah. Guess what? It didn't turn out very well in 2019. He did have, of course, a little bit of a resurgence, but 2018 didn't really live up to expectations. Devon house did not live up to expectations. Muhammad Wilkerson played what a couple weeks and then basically ended his career with an injury. And uh, just a, you know, Tremont Williams again, okay, 2018, a nice bounce back 2019. But you look at what he got on his return on investment in 2018, it was not what he was looking for. And I think you look at it, he he got players past his front, his, their prime, uh, well past their 30s in, in quite a few instances. And I think he learned from those mistakes in 2018. Fast forward to 2019, and it could not have been any different. He was very... Uh, specific in the type of players that he wanted to go after. And that were pl- that was players that were coming off their first contract, were 27 years of age or younger, and still had not hit 
either had not hit the prime of their career or just hit the prime or were coming into the prime of their career. And I think if you look at all four of the players, you know, Zadarius obviously well and far exceeded expectations and immediately became one of the best defensive players in football. Preston and uh, Preston Smith and Adrian Amos both lived up to expectations, if not surpassing expectations on their contract. Billy Turner, you could probably argue either way. I think they basically got what they were expecting, maybe a little bit you know, less than maybe what they were hoping for. But I think for the most part, they got an improvement at right guard and a middle to, to below average right guard at, you know, middle to below average right guard pay. So I think that he hit that free agency period over the park and it was because he was very specific in what he was looking for. He was looking for players that were just coming into their prime, not overaged, not past their prime, 24, you know, five, 26, 27 year old players who could come in and make an immediate, immediate impact. And again, he hit that free agency period over uh, out of the park. So I think he's very much going to look at that again, this season, uh, this off season to try to look for players who are 27 years and younger, just coming into the prime of their career. And, uh, you know, that, that he can kind of count on to come in and make an immediate impact. So again, you're looking at positions of, of serious need. He's probably going to attack it aggressively. First, you know, coming off their first contract, 27 years of age or younger, not yet in their prime. Those I think are some of the things that you're first looking at. And then I think if you look at his MO as a whole, he has looked for players who are very unique and rare athletes, specifically from kind of a size and strength standpoint. Now, cornerback and defensive back is a little bit different. Jair Alexander, Darnell Savage, undersized, even Adrian Amos, good build, but a little bit undersized. He seems to be more willing to compromise at maybe some of those positions because he knows how much agility and speed are important. Uh, But you look at everywhere else on this roster, uh, what he's done over the course of the last two seasons, both via the draft and in free agency. Muhammad Wilkerson, 6'4", 315. Jimmy Graham, 6'7", 267, uh, or 265, excuse me. Mercedes Lewis, 6'6", 267. Oren Burke, 6'3", 233. Jamon Moore, 6'3". Cole Madison, 6'5". MVS, 6'4". Equinemius St. Brown, 6'5". Uh, Kendall Donerson and James Looney, 6'3". Big, huge, physical athletes. Alan Lazard, 6'5". Billy Turner, 6'5". Zedarius, 6'4". Preston, 6'5". Rashawn Gary, 6'5". Elton Jenkins, 6'5", Sternberger, 6'4", Jared Valdir, 6'8". These are all players that Brian Gutekunst has targeted just in his two years as general manager. These are rare human beings. You walk into the locker room and you immediately notice how big, how physical, how strong some of these players are and have, you know, you just immediately notice it. So, I think that's number three. He has targeted these rare athletes that are going to be durable, that are going to be built strong, that are going to be able to be physical. That's how he's trying to build this Packers organization. So in summation, we have big physical, uh, super rare type athletes. We've got players that are just coming into their prime, 27 years of age or younger, and we have uh, players that are going to specifically target major areas of need. And I went through every single free agent and I narrowed it down to 15 free agents that I really think fit this bill specifically at five different positions, offensive tackle, tight end, defensive line, wide receiver, and linebacker. I think those are the five positions that have the most need. 
Um, now, offensive tackle is going to be very contingent upon what they do with Brian Bulaga, but as of right now, he's a free agent, so I'm labeling labeling it as a need. Tight end, same thing. If they bring back Jimmy Graham and don't release him, uh, they probably don't have money to spend on a free agent. I still fully expect him to be released, and which is why I label it as a need. Uh, defensive line, I think they need help next to Kenny Clark, wide receiver, of course. I don't think there's any, uh, you know, anyone's going to disagree with me there. And of course, same thing with inside linebacker with Blake Martinez being an unrestricted free agent as well. So those are the five positions. The 15 people that stood out to me, I'll kind of go position by position, were the following. So offensive tackle, first of all, Jack Conklin. And if you look at Jack Conklin, you've got a 25-year-old unrestricted free agent, 6'6", 308. Again, this is a player that has Brian Gutekunst listed uh, all over him. Again, that's 6'6 frame, big, strong, physical, rare type athlete, only 25 years of age. uh, Plus he had the connection with Matt LaFleur playing in Tennessee. So that seems like a very natural fit, would fit within the scheme, would fit within the system, uh, has played within the system, and has everything that he would look for in that type of deal. The other offensive tackle, I am going to absolutely butcher the name of. It's the Philadelphia Eagles backup swing tackle, Halapulavadi Vayatai. I'm sure that's exactly what it is. Uh, Marcus Eversell just told me to call him the alphabet on 107.5, uh, the fan in Green Bay on Friday, but uh, he's he's got a lot of consonants and vowels in his name, but a really, really good football player who has played multiple positions for the Eagles. He started at left tackle. He started at right tackle. He's actually played uh, guard as well. You can move him kind of all around, but this is a very Billy Turner kind of-esque signing, except that this time it would be at right tackle instead of right guard. And again, I think if you look at Vitae, he kind of fits everything once again that they're looking for. He's on the little bit, you know, on the high side of age. He's 27 years old, but 6'6", 320. Again, one of these rare athletes. He's played in, you know, kind of that, that Doug Peterson system. I think he would carry over well into the to, into the Matt LaFleur system. Um, so I think that he could be maybe a cheaper option, a younger option, and a little bit more of a physical option uh, than Brian Bulaga if they did decide to move on from him. So those are the two offensive tackles that really stood out to me that kind of fit within the mold of those things, the, the, the criteria that I think Brian Gutekunst is going to look for coming up in free agency. Tight end position, uh, Austin Hooper and Hunter Henry. And Hooper is the one that just screams off the page. Uh, with Hooper, you've got, again, a 25-year-old uh, tight end, unrestricted free agent coming from Atlanta, 6'4", 254. So first of all, Green Bay has shown over the course of the last what five years how important this position is to this team. They went out and signed Jared Cook. Then they went out and signed Martellus Bennett. Then they got Graham and Mercedes Lewis. Then they spent a third round pick on Jay Sternberger. And now they're looking to potentially attack this position again. It hasn't worked out the way that they've wanted to so far. I think Aaron Hagler put it best saying, I understand if fans have PTSD at this point of trying to get another tight end at a high value deal, but this is an important position for Green Bay to fill. I think this is an important position to kind of elongate Aaron Rodgers' career, give him that target over the middle that he can trust and actually be a playmaker as well. I think tagging somebody with Jay Sternberger and letting those two play uh, and still letting Sternberger develop without having to try to rely on him to be tight end one this early in his career, I think would be something that stands out. And again, Austin Hooper, also somebody that's played with Matt LaFleur in that Kyle Shanahan system. Uh, LaFleur was quarterback's coach in Atlanta when Hooper was there, I think in his second year, if I remember correctly, could have been his rookie year, one of the two. But uh, I think there's a lot of connections there. And I think it's a, a move that makes sense. 
With Hunter Henry, it sounds like the Chargers are really intent on keeping him, and he has some injury concerns throughout his career that would have to be, you know, kind of weighed out as well. But he also fits everything uh, from that criteria. He's 25 years old, 6'5, 250. So uh, again, he fits within that criteria of what Brian Gutekunst would be looking for. If he did hit the free agency market, it wouldn't shock me if, uh, if, Brian Gutekunst wanted to maybe at least bring him in for a look uh, to see if maybe he would fit within the offense and to see if he was healthy enough to maybe come in and make an impact. Let's move to the defensive line position. And this is where there are a lot of players that I think really could fit this mold. I'll run them down and I'm going to go over two of them in specific, but DJ Reader, Jordan Phillips, Leonard Williams, Jerron Reed, Quinton Jefferson, Ashawn Robinson, and Eric Armstead all fit that mold to a T. Uh, you look at DJ Reader, 26 years old, 6'3", 347. Jordan Phillips is an absolute monster, uh, 27 years of age, 6'6", 341. Uh, Leonard Williams, certainly within that realm as well, 26 years old, 6'5", 302. Uh, Jerron Reed, 27 years old, 6'3", 306. Quentin Jefferson, maybe a little bit smaller. He's maybe a little bit fringe here, but still 27 years of age, 6'4", 291. Uh, Jefferson and Reed both coming from the Seahawks, Leonard Williams from the Giants, Jordan Phillips from the Bills, DJ Reader from the Texans. Um, and then another one is Ashawn Robinson uh, coming over from potentially the Detroit Lions, still only 25 years of age, 6'4", 322. And then Eric Armstead, of course, the big former 49ers uh, specialist, 26 years of age, 6'7", 292. So all of those players very much fit within the realm of what Brian Gutekunst would be looking for. I want to go over two in specific, and that's DJ Reader and Jordan Phillips. So Reader from the Texans, this dude, 6'3", and is agile and can not only collapse uh, the, the the pocket from a passing standpoint, but is a monster against the run. He is a hugely, vastly underrated player. And I think he would fit so incredibly well next to Kenny Clark and fix so many issues in the middle of that defense. And then Jordan Phillips, another kind of second tier type free agent. As I mentioned, just a monster of a man. Uh, again, he's got 6'6", 341. Imagine him clogging the middle of that defense at that defensive tackle, that nose tackle standpoint, allowing Kenny Clark and, and Dean Lowry to be more defensive ends, maybe be a little bit more penetrating players as hopefully kind of everything uh, within uh, a radius of uh, Phillips kind of just, you know, you know, gravity pulls towards him and he can kind of eat up a lot of that space in the middle of the defense. So those are two defensive linemen that I think could really fit the bill and really help out on the interior of that defense, but Leonard Williams, Jerron Reed, Quentin Jefferson, Ashawn Robinson, and Eric Armstead all would certainly fit the billing as well. At wide receiver, uh, two really seem to make sense. One of them's fringe, but I think Robbie Anderson, uh, 27 years of age. So he, again, he's kind of on the high end, but 6'3", 190, a little bit on the skinnier side as well, but you're looking at that 6'3 player with ton of speed, still coming off his first contract, 27 years of age, just coming into his prime. Uh, he's going to get paid, so I think that's probably going to run into an issue there, but uh, he certainly, again, would fit within what, what Brian Gutekunst would be looking for. And then Brashard Perryman, uh, 26 years of age, 6'3", 2215 from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, this also has a Milt Hendrickson connection. Hendrickson was part of the team that drafted him with the Ravens. He really struggled his first couple of years with the Ravens. 
Ravens uh, ended up moving on, went to Tampa. Uh, Tampa, he's looked a lot better, especially this last year. He kind of came into his own a little bit more, has deep speed, has great size, huge catch radius, has had issues with drops, but you see him starting to put things together a little bit more. And uh, again, he's got a great frame. He's got great size. He's coming off that first contract, that Hendrickson connection. I think you could maybe connect some dots there and see why he would be potentially a player that Green Bay would be interested in potentially that number two role next to Devontae Adams. You do potentially run into a little bit of a scenario where he might be a little bit redundant uh, with Alan Lazard. Uh, I think um, you know Lazard and he would be similar type of players, which would maybe make you play Devontae Adams in the slot a little bit more. So there'd be some things to work out there, but again, both of those players, both of those receivers are players that, uh, again, fit within the, the size, the, the age, the, you know, everything that would, you know, I think Brian Gutekunst would be looking for. And that leaves me with two linebackers, Corey Littleton, uh, from the Rams and Devondre Campbell from the, the Falcons. Let's start with Littleton first, 26 years old, 6'3", 228. So again, if you look at it, you know, in comparison to an Oren Burks, you know, very similar size, uh, and again, only 26 years of age. Uh, so I think he fits everything that they would be looking for, maybe a little bit on the undersized standpoint and wasn't a super amazing athlete from a, a speed standpoint, but he would come in and fix so many problems and obviously immediately be linebacker one uh, within the defense. So uh, again, he's, he would take some serious money to sign, but uh, I, I definitely feel like he would be within the realm of possibility. And then Devondre Campbell, if you wanted to look at somebody who is maybe more of a, uh, you know, kind of a, a second or, or a third tier type free agent at that linebacker position. I do think Campbell fits the billing as well. 27 years of age, 6'4", 232. So great size, great speed out of the University of Minnesota. Didn't exactly work out as expected in Atlanta. Uh, but, you know, I think he could find a new home. I think he still has great traits, great athleticism. Um, and I think he could be somebody that competes uh, and maybe has the opportunity to, to try to gain some playing time in Green Bay. And if not, I think he could still be a a really good special teams player. So not a tier one type signing, but somebody that certainly, uh, again, would fit within all those criteria of what we mentioned earlier. So those are the 15 players, Jack Conklin, I get to say it again, whatever you want to say. It's a hard name to pronounce, forgive me. Uh, Austin Hooper, Hunter Henry, DJ Reader, Jordan Phillips, Leonard Williams, Jerron Reed, Quentin Jefferson, Ashawn Robinson, Eric Armstead, Robbie Anderson, Brashard Perryman, Corey Littleton, and Devondre Campbell. Now, a couple things that I want to say really quick. This isn't to say that I expect these 15 free agents to be uh, targeted specifically by Brian Gutekunst. And I would be very surprised actually if Jack Conklin, who I think is going to be the top paid offensive tackle and get some serious money in the free agent market. I just don't think Green Bay is going to be in the market for that. Leonard Williams, I think the same thing. I'd be surprised if if Green Bay was you know within the, the contract realms of what he was looking for. And I don't think they're going to have the ability to pay him alongside Kenny Clark. And uh, you know with the, the contract they just gave Dean Lowry as well, it's same thing with Eric Armstead. I just don't think they're going to get into a bidding war to try to get him to Green Bay. So, and I, even Robbie Anderson, I think you could make the argument with there as well that he he may price his way out of Green Bay as well. So I'm not saying that this is the be all end all list of the players that Brian Gutekunst is targeting, but these are the 15 players that really stood out. That if you look at what Brian Gutekunst has done over the course of his tenure in Green Bay so far, these are the players that really seem to make a lot of sense that he would target. Now, 
That being said, since writing this article, two of those players, uh, Austin Hooper and Corey Littleton, have already been rumored as major targets for Green Bay. Uh, Rob Domovsky of ESPN reported that Austin Hooper would be a top target of Green Bay. And uh, Bill Huber of Sports Illustrated mentioned that uh, just today that Corey Littleton is at the top of the Packers linebacker free agent wants this free agency. So Littleton and Hooper on that list already, as I mentioned, seem to make a ton of sense of, of players that Brian Gutekunst would be interested in, already rumored to be having interest from Brian Gutekunst. There were also two other players, Austin Schobert and Nick Kajakowski, uh, Schobert from the Browns, former Badger, and then Nick Kajakowski from the Chicago Bears. Uh, Both of those players also rumored uh, to have interest from Green Bay. And you might say, well, you know, they didn't show up on the list. They were actually on my ancillary list of people who just, and I mean just, missed the cut. I'll go over all the players that just missed the cut in just a second, but uh, Schobert, 26 years of age. So he hits that, uh, you know, just coming off his first contract, just hitting his prime under age 27. Uh, you know, he is certainly at a position of major need, uh, just from a size standpoint, only six one, but he has great weight, you know, great functional strength, 245 pounds, plays the position really well. So really the only thing he didn't hit it on was, was height. So if he was two inches taller, he would have hit the criteria perfectly. Uh, I doubt that he would be off their list because he was two inches shorter or whatever. So uh, certainly well within the realm of somebody that they would target. And then the other one, Nick Kajakowski, almost identical, 27 years of age. So a little bit on the top, uh, you know, of that spectrum being at 27 years of age, uh, but 6'2", 242, again, great functional strength. It was really starting to hit his stride in his last year as a bear. Uh, certainly again, a position of need, uh, but 6'2", instead of 6'3", was just really an inch shorter of what generally they would have been looking for uh, with those type of players. So both certainly well within the realm of, of again, the, those type of players that, that Brian Gutekunst would be targeting coming this offseason. Um, other ones that I think would be on there that I did not mention that just kind of missed the cut, uh, Javon Hargrave, the defensive tackle uh, from the Steelers. Again, just really about an, an inch shorter of generally what they'd kind of be looking for. Joe Schobert, Michael Pierce, uh, the Ravens uh, defensive tackle. He also has the Milt Hendrickson connection. He's only six feet tall, so that's a, maybe a little bit tougher one to swallow. He would really be kind of outside the realm there, but from a weight standpoint, 340 pounds, he uses it really well. 27 years of age, position of need. Again, the Hendrickson connection, so that would be one that would not surprise me. Nelson Aguilar, the receiver out of Philadelphia. Malik Collins, the defensive tackle out of Dallas. Andrew Billings, the defensive tackle out of Cincinnati. Um, Ronald Blair, the defensive lineman out of you know from the 49ers. And then Demarcus Robinson, the wide receiver from the Chiefs. Those are all players that just kind of missed that cut of top 15. In fact, I almost made it a top 20 or 25 to add a few more of those players on. But um, you know, I think all of those players would be would be really uh, targetable for Brian Gutekunst. And again, I, I really believe that he's going to target younger players who are still coming into their prime. And uh, there's a lot of great options out there. And like I said, Littleton, Schobert, Kajkowski, and Hooper already have been rumored to be uh, having interest from Green Bay. So a great list of free agents. And I think some major takeaways from that list of players that they're interested in. First of all, 
it seems that they're very interested in that linebacker position. Littleton, Schobert, and Kajkowski all playing linebacker. They know they have to address it. And again, that's a major issue of need. And we've seen Brian Gutekunst attack those type of areas aggressively. And the fact that they show interest in Austin Hooper would lend itself to believe that they're more than comfortable moving on from Jimmy Graham. So I think that's probably a piece of good news as well. So a lot to play out over the course of the next few weeks. Now that the combine's done, free agency, and, and I think we'll see some trades, not necessarily with the Packers, but throughout the NFL, That that's really going to heat up over the course of the next few weeks. The CBA should get finalized. Free agency will kick off in about uh, about a little over two weeks, about two and a half weeks. And uh, there's going to be some fireworks that certainly fly again. And we will certainly see what direction Green Bay goes in. But it certainly seems like Brian Gutekunst is not going to sit this free agency period out. He definitely has some plans uh, coming up if he's already showing interest in those four players. Last but not least, uh, when I, I put out a poll a couple days ago on Twitter saying, you know, if you had $11 million to spend, you know, would you rather spend it on Brian Bulaga or Joe Schobert, uh, you know, or Austin Hooper? You know, where would you want to spend that money? And uh, there, there were, you know, good answers. But one of the things that I kind of commonly got replied to on Twitter is, oh, that's way too much money for these players. And I, I think, you know, one of the things that I want to do is kind of set the expectation of it's going to cost you know, 10, 11, 12 million, if not more for some of these players on a per year basis. And I, you know, if you go back to last season and I posted this on Twitter on Sunday, uh, Billy Turner for the length of his contract averaged 7 million per year. Adrian Amos, 9 million, Preston Smith, 12 million, and Zadarius Smith, 16 and a half million. All of them got four-year deals. All of them were cheaper in their first year, but all of them averaged that amount for the first four years of their career, of uh, their contract. So if you're looking at it, you pay for what you get. You want a, you know, average to below average right guard at a non-premium position. In, In 2019, that costs you 7 million per year. You want a non-premium, you know, kind of position safety on the second tier, again, behind Matthew and Earl Thomas, it's going to cost you about $9 million per year. You want kind of a top of the second tier edge rusher in Preston Smith, a premium position, it's going to cost you $12 mil per year. You want a premium pass rusher who's still in the prime of his career, it's going to cost you $16.5 million per year. And that was in 2019 with a 2019 salary cap. I think the 2020 is, of course, going to go up. You're going to see some inflation there. And I think you're also going to see potentially teams go willing, you know, willing to go a little bit higher with the new CBA as well. So I think all of those contracts would have gone up in the 2020 market. So if you want a starting caliber player who's actually good, start looking in that 10 to $11 million range. And if you're looking at Austin Hooper, Nick Kajkowski, Austin Schobert, Corey Littleton, start looking in that 10 million plus range. And I think Hooper and Schobert, uh, in, excuse me, Hooper and Littleton, especially, I think you're probably looking, you know, 11, 12, maybe more, especially for Littleton. So don't let those numbers fool you. Don't let those numbers shock you. I think it's going to be a very aggressive free agency period. There are multiple teams that have a ton of money to spend. So buckle in. Uh, I think Green Bay is going to get some really fun players in free agency, but uh, get ready to maybe have your eyeballs bug out a little bit as you see some of the terms of the deals because it is going to take Brian Gutekunst being aggressive if he actually wants to ink one of those four players to come play for Green Bay in 2020 and beyond. So 
That does it for me today. I know I covered a lot of free agency stuff. We'll get into the draft a lot more as time goes on. Uh, one of my favorite topics, uh, basically for, for football, for me, it's Packers one and draft two. So I'm, I'm really excited to dig in deeper and we're going to get more in the minutia of that as time goes on. Free agency and trading is, is going to heat up, as I mentioned, over the course of the next few weeks. And this is really the uh, a really fun part of the season as we get geared up for free agency in the draft. So if you haven't yet, please go out and subscribe uh, to the Packaday Podcast. You're listening on a podcast player right now. It helps us so incredibly much if you subscribe, so we really appreciate if you do so. Also, leave a comment. If you're enjoying the podcast, we've got a lot of great feedback recently. Uh, please go out and comment. Uh, it really helps us as well, so I would really appreciate that. Also, speaking of the draft, I'm actually going to be in Las Vegas with Pro Football Network covering the draft at the MGM Grand with Tony Pauline as well as with Ben Albright. It is going to be a huge event. We also have NFL players there, Preston Williams, the wide receiver from the Miami Dolphins, and Max Crosby, the edge rusher for the Las Vegas Raiders still weird to say, but those two players are going to be there as well. It is going to be all you can drink, all you can eat. That should have you right there in and of itself at the MGM Graham. So you've got gambling, you've got drinking, you've got food, you've got the draft, you've got players, you've got me, you've got Ben Albright, you got Tony Pauline. It is going to be a blast. Go to profootballnetwork.com right now and, uh, and see if you can get some tickets. I know they're still available and I think they're still having the sale on it. So if that's something you're interested in, go out and do that. Again, credit to uh, Jake Morley and Ross Uglum for all their tremendous work covering the Combine. Uh, They'll be back next Tuesday to kind of give you their feedback from that. Uh, That does it for me. Free agency is going to heat up. Trades are going to heat up. The draft's going to heat up. It's a really fun time. Keep it here. We love having you guys on and we love having you listen. So I appreciate it so tremendously much. Until next time, and as always though, go Pack Go. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.